First, I just want to talk to you for a few minutes about two very important words, not just the words, but what those words communicate, what they mean. And those words are mercy and grace. Now, we know from the scriptures that our Father, our Heavenly Father, our God, our Creator Father, that He is both a merciful God and that He is also a God of tremendous grace. In the Old Testament, we see it spoken of, grace spoken of more as the loving kindness of God. And then, um, you know, really the term grace in the Greek New Testament is the one that that we see um, uh, used so frequently um, throughout the Word of God in the New Testament. And um, if I if I could, I know that these words carry far far more meaning than just these simple definitions. But sometimes, if we can get something established in our heart, then then we can build on that. The Lord can you know, teach us more from there, but we've got to get a, a foundation laid. And so I want you to think of mercy as not receiving what you deserve. So when we say that God is merciful, it's when He withholds judgment and withholds punishment that we should otherwise have received. And that was a lot of the what the Old Testament animal sacrifice um, sacrifices, the sacrificial system of animals in the Old Testament, because God said the soul that sins shall die. But of course he didn't want us to die. He didn't want them to die. And so he allowed them uh, you know, for an animal to die in their place. It's the mercy of God. Grace, on the other hand, is when you do get what you don't deserve. So just to be clear, mercy, don't get what you deserve. Grace is when you get what you don't deserve. And this, of course, is talking about the goodness of God, where He just blesses us and loves us and does good things for us. Um, And that's God's grace. Some of the technical definitions would be like unearned, unmerited, undeserved favor. It's the favor of God, the goodness of God. Now, the Bible is very clear about it that God shows both mercy and grace to every human being. Meaning what? Meaning every person alive on planet earth has been a recipient of both God's mercy where they deserved to be punished, they deserved consequences that they did not receive. And every human being on planet Earth is, is, has received as a recipient of God's grace. God's been good to them uh, when you know, they haven't done anything to deserve or merit His goodness. Jesus talked about this when He said that God causes the rain to fall and the sun to shine both on the just as well as the unjust. So again, mercy is when you don't get what you deserve in the way of punishment. 
Grace is when you do get what you don't deserve in the way of blessing and favor and the goodness of God. And while every human being is a recipient and a beneficiary of both God's mercy and His grace, we see that the Bible clearly teaches us that there are different levels, advanced levels, greater measures, greater levels of both God's mercy and God's grace working in a person's life. I mean, the Bible clearly says in in James, the fourth chapter, that God gives more grace. We talk about the display of God's grace and mercy, love and mercy, when he gave us his son and when Jesus died on the cross for us. But if you read Romans chapter 5 very carefully, that amazing display of God's goodness to mankind is a display of the love that God has for his enemies. Because we were all God's enemy when Jesus died for us. That's why he goes on to explain in Romans 5 that if he died for us while we were his enemy, how much more grace, how much more of the goodness of God and the mercy of God do we have available to us now that his blood has made us clean and made us his sons and daughters? So does everyone receive the same level or the same degree or the same amount of mercy and grace? The answer to that question is no. Some people receive more mercy and more grace, while other people receive less mercy and less grace. And on the surface, that would seem like that, you know, God is not fair, that he's playing favorites, that, you know, he's showing, uh, what, what is it, you know, favoritism or, or prejudice or these kinds of things. But that would be inaccurate because we know that God is a just God. He is, he is um, just and, and fair and, and uh, of tremendous integrity. So the question then I think we need to ask is, What, if anything, can I do, you do, we do, what, if anything, can we do to experience greater measures of God's mercy and greater measures of God's grace in our lives? Now, it just so happens that the Bible tells us very specifically what we can do to have more of God's grace. First of all, if you want to have more of God's grace in your life, the Bible says, humble yourself. He gives grace and more grace to the humble. But the other side of that coin is the same God who gives grace and more grace to the humble resists a prideful man or woman. So God resists the proud but gives grace and more grace and grace upon grace and grace for grace. I mean, all these are, we could preach a whole sermon series on this. Maybe we will at some point in the future. But but again, it's it's not... um, It's distributed and given fairly, but not equally. Because some people choose to humble themselves more than other people. (laughs) Amen. And God's made it very clear that if you humble yourself, He will give you grace. And if you humble yourself more, He'll give you more grace. It's in proportion to your humility. That's why I say to as many people as will listen to me that humility is the master key to life. Ultimately, God's grace, we, you know, God's grace opens doors for us. God's grace just, you know, causes us to abound in goodness and favor and blessing and all these other things. But as important as grace is, humility is the key to grace and more grace. All right? Now, if humility is how to increase in the grace of God, 
how do we increase in the mercy of God? Because we need both mercy and grace. I don't know about you, but I, I haven't got it all figured out yet. I still make mistakes, still commit sins, still do things. I'm not proud of that, but I'm just telling you, you know, we, you know, and I, I know some people are like, you know, remember the Bible says that it's not just, you know, sin is not just doing something um, wrong. Sin is not doing the good and the right that we know that we should do. And the Bible even says whatever's not of faith is sin. Let me just, let me just simplify it, okay? We are, we are all in tremendous need of God's mercy in our lives. And if you think that you don't need it, then let me reference you back to humility is the master key to life. Okay? So if we humble ourselves and the grace that we experience and enjoy from God is in direct proportion to our humility, how do we increase in mercy? You increase in God's mercy in your life by being merciful. By showing mercy. This is how you increase in mercy. Now, obviously, there's a connection between humility and showing mercy. Because a lot of times when, you know, someone has wronged us or when we feel like somebody is wronged, it's very prideful of us to judge them or to lash out against them or to form and express negative opinions. That's what it means to judge uh, another person. In other words, I, I don't believe you can judge somebody without being prideful. So there is the, the universal link between the humility and grace and humility and mercy. But specifically, practically, if you want to enjoy and experience more and more and more of God's mercy in your life, then you increase in mercy by showing mercy by being merciful. And so the title of our current series is A Merciful Heart. And the key statement is that faith will flourish in a merciful heart. Faith is a function of the heart, not the head, not the brain. With the heart, man believes. And so if we're going to grow and develop and increase in faith, it's got to start with a healthy heart, um, you know, from which our faith functions. It's been a long time since we've said this, but we've got some new folks in the room tonight, so I'll mention it briefly. If you've got a... Hunter, I feel way, way better, so thank you for your prayers. If, if, If you've got a lamp that won't work, you know, our go-to is replace the bulb. But what if you, I had, I had a situation, I went and I replaced the bulb in a fixture, and, and it wasn't the bulb, it was actually the fixture. And just from that simple experience, the Lord began to kind of deal with me about this whole heart-faith connection. And a lot of times, you know, people think there's some problem with their faith when it's not the faith, it's the heart the faith is screwed into and works from. In the same way that, you know, sometimes we think it's the bulb, it's not the bulb, it's the fixture. The fixture's got a problem, and it's preventing the bulb from working properly. And so a lot of times, people will have, you know, a problem in their heart, and that's what's hindering their faith. There's no, nothing wrong with their faith. It's a problem with the, with the fixture, if you will, that the faith is screwed into. This is why, you know, Jesus, you know, always, he would teach on prayer, or he would teach on faith, and he would 
he would look at it, read it in the scriptures. He would always, somewhere in, the, in that teaching, he would bring in forgiving other people. One of the greatest lessons ever taught on the subject of faith in Mark chapter 11. At the end of that, he, he, he goes right into forgiveness because, again, as important as faith is and as powerful as faith is, if, if, it's, if the heart is full of judgment and full of, of condemning other people, then that faith will not work as God intended. So we've brought this up a time or two, and I feel it important just from some of the feedback that I've received from several people over the last few weeks. I, I want to bring it up again tonight just to remind you that we don't often think of judging somebody else as, as being tempted to do it. In other words, we think of, you know, tempted to lust, tempted to overeat, tempted to, you know, some sexual sin or whatever, you know, some lust of the flesh. And, and, and I don't think we really recognize the spiritual warfare that's around this subject of judging other people. But remember, Satan wants you judged. He is constantly accusing you to God because he wants God to judge you, right? But he knows that God is a merciful God. He knows that God is, 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 a, is a God of grace and mercy and love and compassion. In other words, he knows that God doesn't want to judge you. So the tactic, the scheme, the strategy of the devil is to try to get you and me in a place of judgment and condemnation of other people, meaning that we put ourselves, according to Romans 2, in a position that can't be defended. It's inexcusable. So let me read that to you. Romans chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Therefore you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are who judge, for in whatever you judge another you condemn yourself. For in whatever you judge another you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. But we know that the judgment of God is according to truth, according to those who practice such things. In other words, God, as we've said already, God sees the whole picture. We only see the outward part. God sees the heart. He looks at the heart, not the, not the outward, not the behavior. Remember, the behavior tells us what, but it's the heart that tells us why. And do you think this, O man, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same thing, that you will escape the judgment of God? My friend, he is talking to born-again believers. This is written to the church at Rome. This isn't written to a bunch of rebellious heathens. These, 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 are, these, are, these are God's people. So, you know, a lot of times we, you know, we, we have this understanding that, you know, our sin was judged at the cross, and, 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 and it was. I'm not, I've taught that, preached that, stand by that. But be not deceived, God's not mocked. Whatever man sows, it'll also reap. If you sow judgment, you're going to reap judgment. He says, or you despise the riches of his goodness. To despise here means to treat lightly or to consider uh, lightly. Do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? What is he saying? He's saying when we judge other people, we, we are revealing how insignificant we think God's goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering towards us is. But in accordance, verse 5, with your hardness and impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each one according to his deeds. Now, Let's, let's talk about that last part because we may not get as far as I thought we would get tonight. Surprise, surprise. But let me, let me just say this, okay? He's saying here that 
And this is the other deceptive part about judging other people is that, is that you can judge somebody and, and feel like, look like, seem like, think that you got away with it, that, you know, nothing bad happened, I'm, everything's good, you know, nothing happened to me for judging that person. But what he's saying here, remember, God's forbearance, God's like, oh, please, don't, please don't keep doing that because if you keep doing that, right, it's going gonna, it's gonna to result in you being judged. I can't, I can't defend you from being judged anymore. You're putting, you're putting yourself in an indefensible, inexcusable, I'll come back to that word in just a minute, position. So he's saying that we're treasuring it up. In other words, it's building up, it's accumulating. Do you see how this works? Do you see why it's so deceptive? But here's the good news, and this is, this is the part of it that, that I've been excited to get to because some of the questions that I've, I've been, again, I talked about some of the feedback that I've been getting from some of you, and I appreciate that, man. I, I, I long for that uh, kind of two-way communication um, that really in a sermon is not available, but like what we have in classes and, and things of that nature. But one of the questions that I've had for myself and for God and other people have been, have been, have been asking me is like, first of all, Pastor Mark, thank you for, for revealing this to me because I'm realizing now how judgmental I've been, and I didn't really think that what I was doing, you know, had you know was rising to the level of judging other people but then the question is so what what can i do to fix it (laughs) obviously uh go and sin no more right obviously stop it stop judging people cut it out quit you know and um and and it's amazing let this subject show you how the word of god is meant to work in all areas of our lives when we become aware of it, God starts breathing on it. He starts bringing it to the surface for us to see. Now, all of a sudden, right, uh, we realize and, and our eyes are open to it. I believe becoming aware of it and seeing it is more than half the battle. Okay? But do you think God would let us accumulate judgment for the day of wrath? but not let us accumulate mercy? You see what I'm saying? In other words, how, how, how do you... So he's saying here that you guys have been judging folks and, 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 and forming and expressing negative opinions about people. And uh, he says you, you're, you're, dis, you're treating lightly God's grace and mercy in your own life. And he says, and you better be careful because your heart's becoming hardened and you're piling up judgment for you at some point in the future. When you start realizing what he's saying here, it's like, man, you know, gosh, who, who have I been judging? What have I been doing? What, what was I thinking, you know? Okay, so does that mean we're just stuck like Chuck and there's no way we can avoid this or what are we going to? No, see, again, we, we can, this is not, you know, you've done bad, so now do good to, to compensate for it. Jesus is our Savior. He's merciful. He forgives. He forgets all of those other things. But if we can commit acts of judgment that we don't, reap negative consequences for in the moment but if we don't change are piling up for us at some point in the future the same is true for mercy in other words we can show mercy and keep showing and keep showing mercy and more mercy and more mercy so that when and if there does come a day when we really need a whole bunch of mercy we got some in the bank See, we, we, we got too much judgment in the bank. We need, to, we need to empty the judgment account and stockpile the mercy account. Is that making sense? Okay, did I say it better that way? So when he says in verse 1, Therefore you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are who judge. That word inexcusable means you've placed yourself in a position that cannot be defended or cannot be shown mercy. 
inexcusable. Now, praise God. Let's do this. Um, First Samuel chapter 16 and verse 7. First Samuel chapter 16 and verse 7. And we could look at a whole bunch of verses here, but let's just pull this one out just because it gets to the point rather quickly. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him, for the Lord does not see as man sees. Okay, Because the Lord doesn't see as man sees. That's why we're not qualified to judge. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord looks at the heart. So if you're not familiar with where this verse comes from, this is when God sent the prophet Samuel to Jesse's house to choose a new king for Israel. And Jesse had all these fine, handsome, strapping, accomplished, successful sons, right? And just from the outside looking in, you would think, okay, there's the dead ringer. He's the king, man. What a king he would make. You know, he looks like a king. But this is what the Lord told Samuel before he went there. He said, don't go by how it looks outwardly. I'm looking for the heart, the heart. So after he uh, surveyed, if you will, all the sons, he looks at Jesse and goes, these are all the sons you've got. Because he knew he heard from God. He knew that it was one of Jesse's sons. And he goes, well, I mean, we got the run of the litter, but he's out there taking care of the sheep. And that was, of course, David, who became the great king, if you will, of, of Israel. So here's, here's what we need to know, first of all. God looks on the heart. God looks on the heart. And sometimes it's hard for us to even know what's in our own heart, much less what's in somebody else's. Again, don't judge. Now, here's another verse that supports this. Romans chapter 2, verses 28 and 29. Remember, we started in Romans 2, but we'll just jump down. Romans 2, 28 and 29. For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. So, what the Lord has revealed to us through the Apostle Paul is that it's not about the way someone looks or even, now hear me all the way through, it's not about how somebody looks or even behaves outwardly that makes them one of God's children. Or the, the, the whole natural-born Jew and the Gentiles being brought into and the blessing of Abraham coming upon them, this was all so new and so foreign to so many people back in the original days. So you can only imagine, I mean, it's, it still is to this day. So we know that Jewish males were circumcised. It was an outward marking of the flesh that they had entered in and were a participant uh, in the covenant that God made with Abraham. But now you've got non-Jewish men and women who are being born again, and these males had not been circumcised, and it was a big argument in uh, the early church, uh, you know, about whether or not the the Gentile men, uh, you know, this is how we would say it in our day, can you still go to heaven if you're not circumcised? Are you really saved if you haven't 
And of course, we know that Paul was just absolutely, completely opposed to this because it's not about the outward. It's about what God does to a, in a man or a woman's heart in the, in the inward part of a man. People preaching circumcision in, uh, that to be saved to the Galatians, Paul said, I wish whoever's preaching that would just go ahead and cut their entire member off. And that's pretty strong. You know, if I'm making you uncomfortable, I don't mean to, but I'm quoting the Bible. So he says, it's not about the outward. It's not about the letter. It's about the spirit. It's about the heart. And I love this, this last phrase of verse 29. Whose praise is not from men, but from God. See, we see this in the, in the earthly ministry of Jesus, where there was this whole religious, you know, clique and culture and what have you. And, and, and they, they were always trying to get pats on the back from one another. They were always trying to get recognition, or as Jesus said, honor from one another. He just held up his hands. He says, look, guys, I don't receive honor from men. It's not what I'm here for. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not here to try to play your religious games and, and, and be recognized by you and accepted by you. I seek the honor that comes from my Father. And so, whose praise is not from men but from God... He's talking about doing what God said instead of what religion and tradition said. Now, let me, um, let me at least introduce this part. I know I'm about out of time. All right. We made this point several weeks back, but let me remind you again that David made some of the same mistakes that other kings made now we we often think about you know david's uh sin with bathsheba and then having uriah her husband uh basically killed um and that's just gangster right there I mean, that's just whew. i mean that's that's rough stuff and and it, but that wasn't the only sin that david committed um you remember saul uh got ahead of the prophet and made some sacrifices and got in a whole heap of trouble for it. David did the same thing. He didn't. You think, well, see, God's just playing favors. No, 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 no. See, listen. David was shown mercy where other kings were not because David gave mercy when other kings did not. Okay, it's very important. It's very important. And so the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. As, as we start winding down 2021 and start looking forward to 2022. I, I want, you know, whatever the Lord speaks to you, that's fine. But I, I want 2022 to be a, a year where a whole bunch of us are men and women after God's own heart. Amen. Amen. And what we see, and, I, and I'll show you these different verses, what we see is, is that God told Samuel, he said, that's what I'm looking for. I am looking for a man after my own heart. And then we see later in the book of Acts where God gave testimony that he found a man. See, God was looking and he found. He was looking for a man after his own heart and he found a man after his own heart. Can I offer to you tonight that God's still looking for men and women who are men and women after his own heart? So 
I'll finish with, with a few of these questions, okay? Which best reveals what's in your heart? And, and of course, I'm not trying to point a finger at you that's not pointing at me. Which best reveals what's in your heart, what's in my heart? The way, the way I treat someone I love or the way I treat someone who is mean to me? See, we're talking about a merciful heart, right? Which best reveals what's in your heart? What you do for people who have the power and ability to help you and do something in return for you? Or what you do for those who do not have the power or ability to help you in return? Now, I'm going to show you all this in Scripture. These, these are just straight out of Jesus' first sermon. What best reveals what's in your heart? How you love someone who is easy to love or how you love someone who is hard to love? You do understand there's a difference, right? Some people are a whole lot easier to love than others. But what best reveals your heart? How you love the one who's easy to love or how you love the one who is hard to love? What best reveals what's in your heart? Speaking to those who speak to you or taking the time to speak with someone others have overlooked. What best reveals what's in your heart? The way you treat your grandchild or the way you treat your coworker who's hard to get along with? What best reveals your heart? What you do when people are watching or what you do when you're all alone? Amen. Stand with me. Praise God. The heart, right? The heart. With the heart, man believes. With the heart, man believes. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Fathers, we stand before you this evening. We, we pray a prayer similar to the one that, that David prayed, Lord. We want you to, to examine our heart, Lord. We want you to show us and reveal to us things in our heart, Lord, that need to be corrected, that need to be dealt with. Um, Lord, we want to be men and women who have a merciful heart, Lord. Uh, men and women who have a heart that forgives, a heart that follows hard after you, Lord, a heart that is taking on the characteristics of your heart, Father, that, that, that we begin to think and, and act and respond Lord, the way you think, act, and respond. And so, Father, um, as we stand before you, we, we ask you to search us, Lord. And, Father, to uh, renew and to restore us, Father. And, Lord, to put a right heart and a right spirit in us, Lord. Father, if, if we've let some things slip or if we've let some areas, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, drop along the wayside that we should have never uh, let drop or slip. Father, if we've allowed uh, some things to linger in our heart, Lord, that, 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 that need to be, to be forgiven and dealt with, Lord, then, then reveal that to us, Father. Lord, if, if, if we've a allowed uh, certain things of this life and this world to, to begin to rub a, a callus and a hard spot, Lord, uh, on our hearts, uh, we ask that you reveal that to us and, and to, uh, to, to re restore us, Lord, back to that, that soft, pliable heart, Lord, that, that is sensitive and tender, Lord, uh, to you. 
Um, Father, make us men and women after your own heart. Father, you are still looking for, for those kinds of people on this earth. Father, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. And Father, thank you for showing us things that we can do, practical things that we can do to experience even more grace and more mercy than we have received up until this point, that, we are op- that, that we've operated in at this point. Father, I want to operate in more of your grace, Lord, and I want to operate in more of your mercy. And so, Lord, teach us to go lower, to be humble, Father. Teach us to show mercy and to give mercy. Even, Lord, some of the extreme mercy that Jesus taught us about, Lord, help us to um, start incorporating that into our daily lives and responses. Father, we bless you tonight. We pray for those that, that um, may be watching or present in the room or, or Lord, that others that are part of this family of faith, Lord, that are, that are recovering uh, physically, Lord, healing in their bodies. Father, we thank you for your protection from uh, the, the coronavirus and any variant that may come down the pipe. Father, Lord, I thank you that, that your blood is greater and greater is he who is in us. And Lord, I thank you um, that your hand of protection is, is upon us. And uh, Lord, that your grace and mercy, Father, are shielding us as we put our trust in you, Father. And so, Lord, we thank you for good things and for a wonderful, 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 best ever Christmas season ahead. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you again for being here this evening. Go in peace and be blessed. And uh, remember Sunday morning communion. I didn't announce that, but that's always a special time here at Heritage. Amen. Good things coming.